Welcome to Nations of the World podcast series, where we explore a different nation of the world in each episode. Our aim is to bring you, the listener, on an audio journey to discover interesting facts that make each country unique. Welcome to Timor-Leste. This is an emerging nation as a destination for ecotourism. It's home to the world's most diverse waters. In 2016, scientists discovered 643 species in the waters around Atoro Island, many of which are believed to be entirely new. It has a history of being occupied by Indonesia and as a colony of Portugal. In 2002, it became the first new nation of the 21st century. Segment 1, Bare Bones The official name is Democratic Republic of Timor-Leste. The short form is Timor-Leste. The local short form is Timor-Lorese, or Titum. It was formerly known as East Timor and Portuguese Timor. It's an island nation in Southeast Asia, bordering Indonesia. It's slightly larger than Connecticut in the United States. The capital is Dili. The population is 1,372,002 people and the official languages are Tetum and Portuguese. The people are known as Timorese. There is no national religion, but Catholicism is the major religion. The U.S. dollar is the official currency. It is a semi-presidential republic. The flag has a red background with a black isosceles triangle based on the hoist side. This triangle is superimposed on a slightly longer yellow arrowhead that extends to the center of the flag. There is a white star in the center of the black triangle, which is pointing to the upper hoist side corner. The black symbolizes obscurantism, which must be overcome. Yellow represents the wealth of the country, and red the struggle for national liberation. The white star is meant to represent peace. Obscurantism is a policy of withholding knowledge from the general public. Segment 2, Heart of the Nation Geography and Climate It is in southeastern Asia, northwest of Australia. Timor comes from the Malay word for east. The island of Timor is part of the Malay archipelago and is the largest and easternmost of the Lesser Sunda Islands at the eastern end of the Indonesian archipelago. This nation occupies the eastern half of the island of Timor, the enclave of Ekusi on the northwestern side of the island surrounded by Indonesian West Timor, and some small offshore islands. Two of note are Pulau Atoro and Pulau Jacko. Timor-Leste has the unique distinction of being the only Asian country located completely in the southern hemisphere. It has a coastline of 706 kilometers or 438 miles. The island is surrounded by the Timor Sea, a relatively shallow sea in the Indian Ocean. The climate is tropical monsoon. It's hot and humid and has distinct rainy and dry seasons. The western monsoon brings rain from December to March. It's very hot and dry from July to November. And it's cooler and more humid in the mountain regions. The interior has rugged mountains and hills. Other areas are hilly and covered in sandalwood. In the lowlands along the southern coast, there is scrub and grass, 
along with coconut palms and eucalyptus trees. There are hot springs and numerous mountain streams. The highest elevation is Mount Tatamailau, or Ramalau, at 2,963 meters, or 9,721 feet. This mountain is the national symbol. The lowest point is Timor Sea, Savu Sea, and Banda Sea, at zero meters. Natural hazards include monsoons, floods and landslides, earthquakes, tsunamis, and tropical cyclones. Timor-Leste is ranked 129 out of 180 nations, with an overall environmental performance index score of 35.10. Environmental concerns include air pollution and deterioration of air quality, greenhouse gas emissions, water quality, scarcity and access, land and soil degradation, forest depletion, widespread use of slash-and-burn agriculture has led to deforestation and soil erosion, and loss of biodiversity. Plants and Animals There are 100 fruit-bearing plants. There are also 19 toxic plants, including aloe vera. The most common plants are ivory fig, garden croton, bird's nest fern, rubber tree, screw pine, pineapple, white buttercup, bloodflower, bay hops, and the crown flower. The ivory fig is a member of the fig family. It's pollinated by the fig wasp, which relies on the tree for survival. The screw pine is a perennial tropical tree that is salt-tolerant and grows in poor salty or sandy soils. It is used to stabilize the soil in coastal properties. The bloodflower attracts butterflies with its bright yellow, red, and orange flowers that bloom on its tall stems in the summer and fall. The crown flower has five petals, which are purple and white. The outer petals curl back to reveal what looks like a crown inside. They're used to make lays, but the sap of the plant may cause skin irritation and can be considered toxic. The island lies within the Pacific Coral Triangle, a marine area in the western Pacific Ocean home to a high number of corals. There are nearly 600 different species of reef-building corals alone. It's also home to the highest biodiversity of any marine environment on the planet, according to Conservation International. Typical animals to see in the wild are monkeys, deer, civet cats, snakes, the couscous, a marsupial, and crocodiles, the official national animal. It was chosen because a local legend speaks of a crocodile who transformed the island to return a favor to the boy who helped it recover from sickness. A map will reveal that the shape of the island looks like the head of a crocodile with its closed jaw facing east. It, along with the monitor lizard and the reticulated cobra, are the three most dangerous species in the country. There are 46 species of mammals. There are two which have been found nowhere else. One is the Timorese horseshoe bat. Unlike some bat species, which are highly colonial, it roosts in small groups of six or seven. When roosting, it prefers to hang from the ceilings of caves rather than in crevices. Individuals are well-spaced during roosting rather than clustered. It has been seen roosting with other species of bats, and it is considered endangered. The second endemic mammal is Musser's giant rat which is now extinct. Its existence is known from its fossil remains found in Timor. 
It has been described as the largest rat ever, with a weight of 5 kilos or 11 pounds. The three reptile species found nowhere else are the Nino Conus Santana bent-toed gecko, the Timor ground snake, and Laca's worm snake. The Nino Conus Santana bent-toed gecko has been described as a new species of bent-toed geckos in 2023, found in a remote cave in Timor-Leste. While exploring the Lenehara and Napanaway caves, where the new gecko was found, researchers found several plant and crab species they think may also be newly discovered. Some endangered species are the large flying fox and sundra flying fox, both bat species. The offshore dugongs in the waters are considered sacred to some locals and are not hunted. They are endangered as well as the one-horned rhinoceros, known as the Baydak Jawa. It has six of the world's seven marine turtle species and more than 2,000 species of fish. The two endemic marine species are the red anal triple fin and Santana's dwarf goby. There are 250 local bird species. Some to note are the Timor imperial pigeon, the iris lorikeet, and the Timor sparrow. People Ethnic groups include Austronesian, which are Malayo-Polynesian, Melanesian Papuan, and a small Chinese minority. There are four main languages, Titum, Portuguese, Indonesian, and English. There are also around 32 indigenous languages spoken, which can be divided into two broader language families, the Austronesian and Trans-New Guinea language groups. Titum is the main indigenous dialect. Over 97% identify as Roman Catholic. This is one of the only two predominantly Christian nations in Southeast Asia, the other being the Philippines. There is a small number of Protestants and Muslims. There is also the practice of animism. Christianity was introduced to the island of Timor in the early 16th century through Dutch and Portuguese traders. Soon after, Catholic missionaries from Portugal arrived. Since its arrival, the Catholic Church has played a major role in Timor-Leste's political history. On numerous occasions, the Church sided with the local Timor-Leste population against the colonial regime, causing the Church to be expelled from the colony for a period. During the occupation of Indonesia, many members of the Catholic Church, such as priests and nuns, advocated for human rights in Timor-Leste and risked their lives to defend citizens from military abuses. The involvement of the Catholic Church in the political transitions of Timor-Leste, especially in achieving independence, has played a major role in shaping the social and cultural identity of the country. It is common to find statues of various saints, the symbol of the cross, and churches throughout the country. Mass is often delivered in either Portuguese or Titum, and church attendance tends to be most common for personal life events, such as baptisms, Catholic wedding ceremonies, and funerals. Many communities have maintained certain standardized beliefs that stem from indigenous worldviews. One is maintaining a positive relationship with the sacred or lulic by following and respecting certain customs and rituals known as lisan. This includes some regular ritual offerings to various sacred beings, including gods, spirits, and ancestors. 
The sacred also includes interactions with others and with the environment. In some communities, a sacred house, in Uma Lulik, is built where the local lawkeeper and priest can perform the necessary rituals. It also serves as a place where conflicts may be resolved, and stories about and the artifacts of ancestors are preserved. The 2022 report on international religious freedom for Timor-Leste states, The Constitution provides for freedom of conscience and worship and freedom of religious instruction. There is no official state religion, although Catholicism is the predominant religion. Religious organizations may register with the government under the regulations provided for non-profit corporate bodies. Religious minority groups continue to report instances of civil servants rejecting marriage and birth certificates issued by religious organizations other than the Roman Catholic Church. Muslim religious leaders also continue to express concerns regarding discriminatory practices in civil service hiring. Members of minority religious groups, including from the Muslim and Protestant communities, generally reported religious tolerance in the country. Some noted, however, that there was continuing strong societal pressure for individuals to remain in the Catholic Church, particularly from family or community members. During the Indonesian occupation from 1975 to 1999 and Timor-Leste's fight for independence, approximately 250,000 Timorese fled to Western Timor and, in lesser numbers, Australia, Portugal, and other countries. Many of these emigrants later returned. Timorese communities are found in its former colonizers, Indonesia and Portugal, as well as the Philippines and the UK. The country has also become a destination for migrants in the surrounding region, mainly men seeking work in construction, commerce, and services in Dili. Timor-Leste's growing, poorly educated working-age population and insufficient job creation are ongoing problems. The high fertility rate of 4.1 and population growth rates sustain its very youthful age structure. Approximately 40% of the population is below the age of 15, and the country's median age is 20. The low use of contraceptives and the traditional preference for large families is keeping fertility elevated. Its population growth rate is nearly 2.2% and is the highest in Southeast Asia. The Children's Rights Index is 6.72 out of 10, and it indicates a situation with noticeable problems for children in the country. Poverty is a main problem, as 46% of the population are children. 73% of the population lives on less than $2 a day. An increased rate of child mortality is one of the consequences of the state's lack of resources. Out of every 1,000 children born, 36 do not reach the age of 1. The practice of arranged marriages of very young girls persists, particularly in rural zones. These customs are contradictory to the provisions and principles outlined in the Convention regarding the rights of the child. There is a high persistence of widespread child trafficking. Even though little information and few figures are available regarding the extent of child trafficking, prostitution, and pornography, a study from the Committee for the Rights of the Child has been devoted to addressing these issues. 
In certain cases, the poverty in isolated villages forces families to send their daughters, as young as 10 years old, to more populated towns to earn money as prostitutes. The younger the girl, the greater the demand, and the higher the price. Many girls become pregnant and are sent back to their families to deliver. The newborn is then left with the family or placed in an institution while the girl is then forced back into prostitution. These children, deprived of the protection of their families and social communities, run even higher risks of being exposed to acts of violence. Brutality towards and exploitation of children is generally accepted in Timor-Leste, and a change in these social habits is the first step towards the elimination of the problem. Although official statistics are limited, Reports from local partner entities show that sexual abuse is an alarming issue of disconcerting proportions in the country, especially for young girls. Moreover, corporal punishment is a common occurrence in the family and is frequently employed to discipline children at school and in other academic settings. The degrading treatment inflicted on children by police and officials at the center of the penitentiary system also have been exposed. The number of currently married women between the ages of 15 and 49 is at 55.9%. Women married by the age of 15 is 2.6%, by 18, 14.9%, and men married by the age of 18 is 1.2%. Many Timorese place a high value on harmony and unity with others, maintaining a strong connection with their community and relatives. People are often deeply involved with the collective life of their entire community, with social events incorporating the entire neighborhood or village. In collective cultures such as this, people tend to feel a strong sense of responsibility to those around them. Cooperation and collective achievement are often emphasized over self-fulfillment and personal gain to maintain social harmony. People tend to be conscious of how their behavior or failure to uphold social expectations may reflect on their family or community. Many value the collective reputation, dignity, and honor of the group. Reserved conduct is the norm, as people wish to maintain harmony between each other. For example, they tend to speak indirectly to avoid conflict. Social exchanges are quite formal. They follow much of the traditional social customs of Indonesia. The most common form of greeting is a handshake, especially among men. Between male and female, a kiss on each cheek is acceptable depending on the familiarity. Between women, it's typically a kiss on each cheek. Some people just brush cheeks and kiss the air. Friends may pat each other on the back. Children may greet elderly by kissing the back of their hand. When greeting, eye contact is maintained. In a group setting, The person arriving is expected to greet everyone first, and when leaving, one is expected to say goodbye to the whole group. Among friends, teenagers, and children, first names are used. Otherwise, the person's title and surname are used. At times, one may use a title followed by the first name. If a neighbor is passing by, it's normal to say, which means, where are you going? Hospitality is very important to the Timorese. If you're offered food or drink when you meet somebody, it's important to at least taste it, but always wait for your host to take the first sip or bite. 
Families include the extended family, which is often large. They maintain close ties, and individuals contribute to the welfare of other family members, either materially or emotionally. The household tends to be multi-generational, with the average of 5.3 people per household. Marriage is considered a melding of two families. Newly married couples often move in with one side of the family. It is expected that children will care for their parents when they become elderly. Mothers tend to have their first child around the age of 23. It's a social expectation that couples will have up to five to seven children. Children are named by their parents with no restrictions, but if they can't decide on a name, the state can select one they deem to be in harmony with the best interest of the child. Many choose Portuguese translations of names found in the Bible. The father often chooses the first name that is shared by an ancestor. The naming convention is first given name, second given name or middle name, and family name or surname. The family name is nearly always that of the father's paternal family name. Some do choose the mother's paternal family name. In this case, the maternal name appears before the paternal name. Gender roles are followed, such as a husband is expected to be the head of the household and the main income earner. In rural areas, women are responsible for agricultural activities and raising children. Added responsibilities are managing the finances and maintaining the home. Nearly half of married women are also employed. Over half of the women aged 15 to 49 who have been in a relationship have experienced physical and or sexual violence by a male partner, of whom 81% experienced this violence multiple times. On the acceptance of domestic and family violence, one study found that 74% of women and 53% of men agree that a husband is justified in hitting his wife if she were to burn the food while cooking, argue with him, leave the home without telling him, neglect a child, or refuse intercourse with him. Women do tend to have high levels of participation in decision-making in their families or personally. This includes areas of large purchases, visiting relatives, health care, and how they will spend the money they earn on their own. Dating is common in urban areas, and individuals can freely choose marriage partners. People usually marry outside of their community, with weddings being large and serious events, where two families are joined. Traditional Timor-Leste marriage ceremonies are conducted by the local priest. These ceremonies take place in a church, followed by a reception, attended by family, friends, and community members. A religious church ceremony tends to take place some months or years after the traditional ceremony. For some, the families may negotiate and agree upon a dowry, which is paid after the traditional wedding ceremony. This is paid by the husband's family to the bride's family. This can include money, alcohol, and livestock. The wife's family can offer smaller symbolic gifts. Divorce is very rare as it brings economic pressure and social stigma. In patrilineage families, the woman becomes part of her husband's family lineage and remains within that lineage upon the death of her husband. In matrilineal marriages, the husband becomes part of his wife's family lineage. Though most couples are monogamous, polygamy is present in some parts of the country. 
Same-sex marriages are not legally recognized in the country, and social and cultural attitudes on the topic tend to be conservative. Nonetheless, there is a growing LGBT rights movement with annual large and popular pride events in the capital Dili. Hospitality is very common, and people don't need to make appointments to visit one another. Visitors aren't expected to bring a gift, although some may bring food items. Guests are offered a light snack and tea or coffee, and it is seen as impolite to refuse. However, leaving some uneaten is not rude. If offered items for making bido, it is okay to decline. People generally pray together before a meal. Food is usually served from larger dishes in the middle of the table. Guests are usually asked to serve themselves first. At times, children sit at a separate table. Three meals a day is the norm, with the midday meal being the main meal. People often eat with a spoon in their right hand and a fork in the left. In rural areas, a more traditional setting is to be seated in a circle on the floor, with the food presented in the middle. In this setting, people usually eat with their hands. It is polite to remove one's shoes before entering a home. People remove their hats or caps when entering church. Schedules are not strictly adhered to. People often arrive late for social events, but on time for business appointments. People are seen spitting in public often. Some spit out the juices from the beetle they're chewing. This is a wad of a mixture of beetle nut, lime powder, and spices. People dress in lightweight clothing throughout the year. Warmer clothes are needed for cool evenings in mountain areas. Dress is important, and you should dress respectfully, especially when attending something formal, such as a church service. People tend to dress conservatively and modestly. A good conversation starter can be inquiring about one's family background, place of birth, and languages spoken. The people are proud of their heritage and are happy to share their feelings. Respect should be shown to older ones and to any who hold a high status. It is courteous to ask open-ended questions and show signs of interest and approval. People can become offended if you speak disrespectfully of the Catholic Church. Try to avoid being critical or overly blunt in your discussions. Timorese people often prioritize harmony. Shouting or speaking loudly is considered rude. Avoid touching anyone on the top of the head, as this is seen as disrespectful. Avoid discussing Indonesia's occupation of Timor-Leste. Keep in mind that this is not a homogeneous culture, and there are many different cultural traditions and customs. In conversations, disagreements are handled privately. People generally avoid outright refusing something or giving a negative response to show politeness. Clarification may need to follow a conversation. As for saying yes, it can simply mean that they're listening and doesn't always mean they agree. When someone pauses during a discussion, it means they're reflecting on what was said, and in turn, this is showing respect. Urbanism and Architecture The urban population is 32.5% of the total population. Most of the population is concentrated in the western third of the country, particularly around Dili, with around 281,000 residents. There are 91 people per square kilometer, 
or 235 per square mile. Some 70% of the population lives in rural areas, where most of the people are dependent on the agricultural sector. Due to the Portuguese occupation and its history, the island has many Portuguese structures, including fortresses. During the Indonesian occupation and the fighting in 1999, many towns and villages were destroyed, and now they are slowly being rebuilt. Houses are traditionally built erected on stilts and are made from tree trunks, grass, bamboo, and palm leaves. These houses come in different varieties. The three most iconic are the Uma Lulik, Ume Kabubu, and the Bunak. Currently, the Uma Lulik are recognized as traditional architecture by the government, and they're in the process of being recognized as national heritage within Timor-Leste. These are built by the Fataluku people in the east and are tall and elongated, built on stilts, and topped by a high tapering thatched roof. The Bunak people are in the mountains of central Timor, living in villages with individual settlements. They move into the mountains for part of the year working on growing and harvesting crops. Once the season is over, they return to the villages, where each village has a sacred building. It's made from bamboo for support with a roof of thatched grasses that reaches to the ground. It is large and conical in shape. In Akusi, where the Atoni people are prevalent, the round-shaped ume kabubu can be seen. In the past, it was used for ordinary daily activities, such as gathering with guests, cooking, sleeping, weaving, storing corn, and a birthing area. This house is generally made of rattan frames that are bent into a beehive shape and covered with long, thick, dried grasses, which extend to the ground. It has an earthen-based floor, no windows or ventilation, and a central fireplace. A special part of the structure is the door, which is only about one meter in height, so that the smoke from the process of corn preservation doesn't easily escape. Most people must bend to enter. After modernization in the 80s, people started moving away from these for their everyday living and continued to use them for gatherings and food storage. USAID is one of the major donors supporting property rights development in Timor-Leste. Property rights remain ill-defined because of a combination of conflicting property regimes as a Portuguese colony and later Indonesian occupation, complex customary land tenure systems, the destruction of land records in 1999, limited government capacity, and generally weak government and civil society institutions. This state of uncertainty persists under independence as the newly independent state attempts to establish a land administration system. History There are archaeological remains that point to Timor-Leste having been inhabited for at least 42,000 years. The first arrivals were the Vedo-Australoid people, related to Sri Lankans. Various people migrated along the Southeast Asian monsoon track, leading to an island population with no written records. These include the Melanesian people, a mix of Malay and Pacific Islanders. In ancient Timor, they exported beeswax, spices, and sandalwood. There is evidence of ironworking and a sophisticated agricultural system. The island of Timor was actively involved in Southeast Asian trading networks for centuries, 
and by the 14th century exported aromatic sandalwood, slaves, honey, and wax. Several local chiefdoms ruled the island in the early 16th century when Portuguese traders arrived, chiefly attracted by the relative abundance of sandalwood on Timor. During the mid-16th century, East Timor was colonized by Portugal. Skirmishing with the Dutch in the region eventually resulted in an 1859 treaty in which Portugal ceded the western portion of the island. A definitive border between the Dutch and Portuguese parts of the island was established by the Permanent Court of Arbitration in 1914 and remains the international boundary between the successor states Indonesia and East Timor, respectively. During World War II, Dili was occupied by the Allies in 1941. Then, on the eve of February 19, 1942, four to five battalions of Japanese landed and fought a campaign against Australian and local forces until February 1943, when the last Australians were evacuated. The whole island then remained in Japanese hands until the surrender. Between 40,000 and 70,000 Timorese are thought to have died in the campaign. The Portuguese resumed control after the Japanese surrender. Portugal began investment in the colony in the 1950s, funding education and promoting coffee exports. But the economy did not improve substantially, and infrastructure improvements were limited. Following the 1974 Portuguese Revolution, Portugal abandoned its colony in Timor, and civil war between East Timorese political parties broke out in 1975. On November 29, 1975, East Timor initially declared independence from Portugal. Only nine days later, the Indonesian military launched an invasion of East Timor, fearing a communist state within the Indonesian archipelago. Indonesia declared East Timor its 27th province on July 17, 1976. The United Nations Security Council opposed the invasion, and the territory's nominal status in the UN remained as non-self-governing territory under Portuguese administration. The Indonesian occupation of Timor was marked by violence and brutality. An unsuccessful campaign of pacification followed over the next two decades during which an estimated 100 to 250,000 people died. The 1991 massacre of more than 200 demonstrators by the Indonesian military was a turning point for the independence cause and brought increased international pressure on Indonesia. In June 1999, a referendum offering independence or integration was offered to the citizens by President Habibi of Indonesia. 80% of the people opted for independence. Over the course of just three weeks, anti-independence Timorese militias, organized and supported by the Indonesian military, commenced a large-scale, scorched-earth campaign of retribution. The militias killed approximately 1,400 Timorese and displaced nearly 500,000. Most of the country's infrastructure, including homes, irrigation systems, water supply systems, and schools, and nearly all the country's electrical grid were destroyed. On September 20, 1999, Australian-led peacekeeping troops deployed to the country and brought the violence to an end. In October 1999, the UN set up a transitional administration 
pending elections, which finally came in April 2002, with Shanana Guzmao elected as the nation's first president. On May 20, 2003, Timor-Leste became the first new nation of the 21st century, after gaining independence from Indonesia. This brought the return of more than 200,000 refugees. In 2006, internal tensions threatened the new nation's security when a military strike led to violence and a breakdown of law and order. At Dili's request, an Australian-led International Stabilization Force, ISF, deployed to Timor-Leste, and the UN Security Council established the UN Integrated Mission in Timor-Leste, UNMIT, which included an authorized police presence of over 1,600 personnel. Stability was restored, allowing for presidential and parliamentary elections in 2007, in a largely peaceful atmosphere. In 2008, rebels staged an unsuccessful attack against the president and prime minister. Since the attack, Timor-Leste has made considerable progress in building stability and democratic institutions, holding a series of successful parliamentary and presidential elections since 2012. The ISF and UNMIT departed in 2012 but the UN continues to aid with economic development and strengthening governing institutions. Currently, Timor-Leste is one of the world's poorest nations, with an economy that relies heavily on energy resources in the Timor Sea. Government It is a semi-presidential republic. It has a president who is chief of state, who can veto legislation, dissolve parliament, and call national elections. The president is also commander-in-chief of the military. The president is directly elected by absolute majority popular vote for a five-year term eligible for a second term. The prime minister is head of government. Following parliamentary elections, the president appoints the leader of the majority party or majority coalition as the prime minister. The cabinet is a council of ministers. They are proposed to the Prime Minister by the coalition in the Parliament and sworn in by the President. There is a unicameral national Parliament with 65 seats. Members are directly elected and serve five-year terms. The Court of Appeals is the highest court and consists of the Court President and other judges. The Court President is appointed by the President of the Republic from among the other Court Judges to serve a four-year term. Judges serve for life. The legal system is a civil law system based on the Portuguese model. There are five political parties that gained seats in Parliament and 12 additional ones that received votes. It accepts compulsory ICJ jurisdiction with reservations and accepts ICCT jurisdiction. There are 12 municipalities and one special administrative region. The Timor Leste Defense Force, FFDTL, shares a headquarters with land, air, naval, service support, and education and training components. The Ministry of Interior includes the National Police. There are approximately 2,000 military personnel. The military is lightly armed and has a limited inventory consisting of equipment donated by other countries. In recent years, it has received small amounts of donated equipment from China, South Korea, and the United States. The small and lightly equipped Defense Force has both external defense and internal security roles. 
It has two infantry battalions and a handful of naval patrol boats. Since achieving independence, Timor-Leste has received security assistance from or has made defense cooperation arrangements with Australia, China, Indonesia, Malaysia, New Zealand, the Philippines, Portugal, the UN, and the United States. Some Defense Force personnel train with the Indonesian military, and the two countries maintain a joint border security task force to jointly monitor and patrol the border, particularly the Ekusi Exclave area where smuggling and trafficking are prevalent. Voluntary military service is an option for men and women from 18 years of age. Compulsory service was authorized in 2020 for men and women aged 18 to 30 for 18 months of service, but the level of implementation is unclear. There is no citizenship granted at birth. At least one parent must be a citizen of Timor-Leste. Dual citizenship is not recognized. Residency requirement for naturalization is 10 years. Universal suffrage is at 17 years of age. Women make up 48% of the population in Parliament. Between Timor-Leste and Indonesia, there are three stretches of land borders which have yet to be delimited, two of which are in the Ekusi Exclave area. No maritime or economic exclusion zone boundaries have been established between the countries. The 2022 Report on Human Rights Practices for Timor-Leste States Significant human rights issues included credible reports of arbitrary killings, government corruption, lack of investigation and accountability for gender-based violence, violence against persons with disabilities, and the worst forms of child labor. The government took steps to prosecute members and officials of the security services who used excessive force or engaged in corruption. However, public perceptions of impunity persisted. In the Freedom House Freedom in the World 2023 report, Timor-Leste scored 72 out of 100 and is considered free in the areas of political rights and civil liberties. Economy Timor-Leste is ranked 159 out of 184 nations, with an overall score of 47.2 on the 2023 Index of Economic Freedom and falls in the repressed category. It's ranked 35th out of 39 countries in the Asia-Pacific region, and its overall score is well below the world and regional averages. Natural resources include gold, petroleum, natural gas, manganese, and marble. Agricultural products include rice, maize, vegetables, coffee, roots and tubers, nests, other meats, cassava, pork, beans, mangoes, and guavas. Agriculture employs a great bulk of the working population. Land use is at 25.1% for agriculture, 49% forest, and 25.8% other. Industries include printing, soap manufacturing, handicrafts, and woven cloth. Exports of goods amount to $297 million in U.S. dollar value. The top export goods are crude petroleum, petroleum gas, coffee, scrap iron, and insulated wire. Major export partners are China, Singapore, Japan, Malaysia, and the United States. Exports of services amount to $97.3 million, with personal travel at the top. Imports of goods amount to $812 million in U.S. dollar value. 
The top import goods are refined petroleum, coal briquettes, rice, iron structures, and cars. Major import partners are China, Indonesia, Singapore, Australia, and India. Imports of services amount to $445 million, with the top three in construction, personal travel, and other government services. The most specialized products in the country are coffee, vanilla, crude petroleum, other vegetable products, and tungsten. The unemployment rate is 4.9%. Malnutrition and poverty remain among the worst in the world, with more than 40% of the population living in poverty as of 2020. Doing business. Pre-scheduled appointments are recommended. It's good to confirm meetings one day before. Time and punctuality in business is important, but meetings tend to run overtime. People often have extended lunch periods and even attend to personal matters in the afternoon. It's best to avoid scheduling meetings between 12 noon and 2 p.m. It is impolite and disrespectful to hold eye contact with those having more seniority or authority in the company. People tend to look down or away. Oftentimes, the host will direct the attendees where to sit. There are usually some exchanges of pleasantries before beginning. Food or beverages may be served during the meeting, and ignoring it may show disrespect. Try not to interrupt or talk over someone who's already talking. Business attire for men are a collared shirt and long pants. You should dress more formal if you're visiting senior business leaders or political leaders. For women, a modest business suit, dress, or skirt past the knees and a blouse. On special occasions, men and women may wear the traditional ties as a sarong. Service charges are not added to bills automatically. Leave a 10% tip if the service warrants it. Tipping is not seen as necessary, but a reward for good service. Crime and legal issues. There is no legal protection based on sexual orientation or gender identity in Timor-Leste. However, since 2009, the Penal Code specifies that crimes motivated by the victim's sexual orientation, as well as ethnicity, religion, disabilities, etc., may be subject to higher penalties. Although there are some openly gay public personalities, LGBTI individuals generally maintain very low profiles. Several LGBTI organizations exist, and there have been no formal reports of discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Discrimination may be underreported due to the lack of recourse stemming from the absence of formal legal protections. Timor-Leste doesn't appear to have minimum legal drinking age. Social provisions. The General Contributory Social Security Scheme which entered into force in 2017, includes pensions for old age, invalidity and survivors, allowances for maternity, paternity, adoption, and work accidents. Protection is provided to approximately 113,496 workers. The non-contributory system in Timor-Leste includes a quasi-universal social pension for elderly at 60 years old and above, and for people unable to work 18 years old and above, a conditional cash transfer of poor and vulnerable families with children, pensions for ex-military, martyrs, and their families, and a near-universal school meal program, 
as well as other support programs, including a program for the recovery of victims of natural disasters and a program to support victims of gender-based violence and domestic violence. Despite the wide range of benefits, coverage is still low for most of the programs. In 2022, the government introduced a universal cash transfer for children, pregnant women, and children with disabilities in three municipalities, which will be gradually expanded, and it's expected to reach all children under six by 2028. Education When Timor-Leste was a colony of Portugal, the Catholic Church played a vital role in the delivery of education and health care. However, by 2001, approximately 90% of schools were destroyed. These schools were responsible for the employment of roughly 6,000 teachers and education of 240,000 children. The rebuilding process quickly progressed, with the number of teachers doubling in the period between 2002 and 2014, and student enrollments rising to 364,000. 14% of children aged 6 to 11 are not regularly enrolled in school, and access to schools continues to pose a problem in certain rural areas. Only 39% of girls and 34% of boys are enrolled in secondary education. Moreover, teacher training is insufficient, and schools lack materials. There are three universities all in Dili. There is the National University of East Timor, Dili Institute of Technology, and East Timor Institute of Business. The literacy rate is 68.1%. Health. Access to improved water sources is at 87.4% of the population. Improved sanitation facilities are available for 66.3%. Major infectious diseases include bacterial diarrhea, hepatitis A, chikungunya, tuberculosis, Japanese encephalitis, typhoid fever, dengue fever, and malaria. The top five causes of death are stroke, tuberculosis, coronary heart disease, influenza and pneumonia, and lung disease. It is ranked number two in the world for deaths caused by tuberculosis. Limited emergency medical care is available in Dili, and options for routine medical care throughout the rest of the country are extremely limited. Serious medical problems may require medical evacuation to Australia, the nearest point with acceptable medical care, Singapore, or the United States, which can cost thousands of dollars. Children under the age of 5 that are underweight amount to 31.9%. Tobacco use is at 39.2%. The latest number found for obesity rate is 2.6% for males and 4.9% for females. Life expectancy is 68.6 years for males and 72 years for females. Food. The cuisine has both Portuguese and Southeast Asian influences. Meats include pork, chicken, beef, and goat and are not served daily. Rice is a main staple, as are root vegetables such as cassava, potatoes, yams, taro, and corn. In urban areas, people may eat bread for breakfast, while in rural areas, bananas and root vegetables may be eaten. Popular meals for lunch and dinner include rice with stir-fried vegetables and a salad, or a soup made from kidney beans. Bolado with ai manas, or hard-boiled eggs with chili paste, 
Eggs are boiled and peeled, and then they're deep-fried in oil. This is often served with a spicy chili sauce. It's a street food and sold all over the country, often by children. Econ pepes, or fish and curry sauce. It's usually a whole fish, which is coated in a paste made with ingredients such as turmeric, macadamia nuts, tomatoes, shrimp paste, palm sugar, lemon basil, tamarind, lemongrass, and chili peppers, and then wrapped in banana leaves. The parcels are steamed or grilled and served with lime or lemon wedges on the side. Batar dan is a pumpkin and corn dish. It can be eaten on its own, and it's both sweet and savory. The ingredients are corn, mung beans, pumpkin or butternut squash, water, onions, garlic, olive oil, and salt and pepper. Rujak is a fruit salad dessert. Typical fruits included are oranges, mangoes, watermelon, and bananas. These are dressed with a mixture of green chilies, brown sugar, lemon or lime juice, and fish sauce. Arts Some music commonly heard is rock country, hip-hop, rap, and reggae. At social gatherings, there are groups of musicians playing together. The guitar is very popular. A Teton dance, the Li Kurai, was used to welcome warriors returning from battle. Women danced with a small drum and circled the village. Today, this dance is performed by unmarried women as a courtship dance. Some typical folk art includes ties, a traditional hand-woven fabric, batik and embroidered fabrics, shell and pearl jewelry, musical instruments, dolls, metal knives, handmade bags, wood carvings, pottery, basket-making, and silverwork. There is currently no national gallery, no funded art school, and almost no government support for the arts. When people in Timor-Leste think of art in their nation, they think of Arte Maurice, living art in Titum. It was a free art school that was established by a Swiss-German couple and young Timorese artists in 2002. They were given permission in 2003 to move in and use the grounds of the former Indonesian Museum by the Acting Secretary of State for Culture at the time. Artists in the areas of music, acting, visual art, photography, film, and architecture got their start here. It had become an international face of Timor-Leste and an ambassador for art, culture, and expression, winning numerous awards and prestige. Over the years, it has faced threats of eviction. Finally, on December 1, 2021, the final eviction letter was delivered, giving them just three days to vacate. Within an hour, workers from the Secretary of State for Land and Property were there piling artwork into trucks, dumping some on the road out front, and taking them off-site. The powerful images of this went viral. There have been public outcries both in Timor and internationally to save Arte Maurice. The issue has been raised in Parliament. Both Nobel Peace Prize winner José Horta and national hero Shanana Guzmao have publicly declared their support for Arte Maurice and called for a dignified new space to be provided. For a young country with 46% of the population under the age of 18, this struck hard. The irony of it is, all of the artwork piled on the road as part of the eviction is work that pays respect and admiration to the very people who were leading Arte Morris's eviction. When the families of the veteran resistance leaders found out that the paintings had been discarded in such a way, they were outraged. 
unique celebrations and holidays. Restoration of Independence Day. This is celebrated on May 20th. After decades of conflict, Timor-Leste achieved independence and became the first new sovereign state of the 21st century in 2002. Youth National Day, November 12th. It is a National Youth Day for Timor-Leste to honor and remember the sacrifices of Timorese young people during the 24-year resistance. Proclamation of Independence Day. This is to commemorate November 28, 1975, when the country's freedom from Portuguese rule was obtained. On the eve of Independence Day, many attend masses at cathedrals and churches. On the day itself, there is a presidential inspection of the troops at his palace, followed by a flag-raising ceremony. The soldiers who defend the nation are honored, and then follows a party that lasts till about four in the afternoon. At that point, there's a flag-lowering ceremony to end the festivities. The cities, and especially Dili, become busy, with day festivities such as cultural events, sport competitions, and culinary events. Memorial Day, December 7th. This festival honors the year 1975, when Portugal granted East Timor its independence. National Heroes Day, December 31st a time for people to reflect their short but bloody history that led to their independence. It was a violent struggle against Indonesia under the leadership of Nicolau Lobato. Timor-Leste Coffee Festival. This is celebrated over four days in October. The annual event takes place in Dili. The events included are a coffee quality competition, training for baristas and roasters domestically, cultural celebrations, and training and education to support coffee quality. Dili International Film Festival. This takes place over five days in October and throughout four venues in Dili. It hosts film premieres, feature-length and short films, both narrative and documentary, with international and local contributions. Sports. The most popular are soccer and boxing. Alpine skier Johan Gaut Gonclaves was the first Timorese athlete to qualify for the Olympic Games and competed in the 2014 Winter Olympics. Juventina Napoleon is an East Timorese long-distance runner. She represented her country in the marathon event at the 2012 Summer Olympics and finished the race with a time of 3 hours, 5 minutes, and 7 seconds. Cockfighting is a popular sport throughout Southeast Asia. In Timor-Leste, it can be viewed as supporting the community. Men gather almost daily in large fields to gamble on cockfighting. A man can spend between 10 and 200 U.S. dollars in one night. The medium income per household is 235 U.S. dollars monthly. Women are forbidden to attend these events, but the selling of these chickens and making deals is reserved for the women. Men are not allowed to sell the chickens that belong to their wives, mothers, sisters, or daughters. One chicken can sell between 15 and 40 U.S. dollars, and one woman is allowed to raise up to seven chickens per year. The losing chicken, as it's always injured, is taken home and eaten the same night. Transportation There are eight airports. Two are international, Presidente Nicolau Lobato and Ecusi. There are two registered air carriers. About two-thirds of the roads are paved. 
roads are often poorly maintained, and four-wheel drive may be required in some areas. Sparse or non-existent lighting and poor road conditions make driving at night hazardous. Many cars and motorcycles operate at night without lights. Driving in Dili is especially hazardous, with large trucks, buses, and microlets sharing the streets with vendors and pedestrians. During the rainy season from November to May, rain showers can severely damage cross-island roadways, making roads particularly risky. You should use caution when traveling on the cross-island roadways in the mountain areas. Microlets are owner-operated minivans found in Dili. These take the place of public bus transport. They move large numbers of people daily, cheaply and without timetables, tickets, or set stops. These need to be flagged down like a taxi, and when you want to get off, you tap metal on metal to get the driver's attention. There are also taxis and small buses. Public transportation is generally overcrowded, uncomfortable, and unsafe. Ferry accidents are common and often caused by poor safety practices or extreme weather conditions. If you choose to travel by ferry, make sure the vessel you are boarding is carrying appropriate safety equipment. Make sure that life jackets are always provided for all passengers and accessible. Don't board vessels that appear overloaded or not seaworthy, and verify the safety standards of ferries with your tour operator. Pirate attacks and armed robbery against ships occur in coastal waters, and in some cases, further out at sea. There is one merchant marine vessel and one major seaport in Dili. Communications Fixed-line telephones are less than 1% of the population. Mobile cellular subscriptions are at 110%. Fixed-line and fixed broadband remains extremely low, mainly due to the limited fixed-line infrastructure and the proliferation of mobile connectivity. By August 2020, Timor-Leste had three telecom service providers who jointly achieved a 98% network coverage nationally. In November 2020, the government approved the deployment of a submarine fiber link connecting the south of the country to Australia via the Northwestern Cable System. There are seven TV stations, three with nationwide satellite coverage, two with terrestrial coverage, mostly in Dili, and two cable. There are 21 radio stations, three with nationwide coverage. 39% of the population are Internet users. Energy 100% of the population has electricity, all of which is generated from fossil fuels. They don't export or import electricity. There is no production, export, or import of coal. There is petroleum production, some crude oil exports, and no imports or reserves. There is natural gas production, no import or consumption, but some export. Travel There are no UNESCO World Heritage Sites in Timor-Leste, and it is one of the least visited countries in the world. Ambai Wetar, Strait Hope Spot, is a UN-recognized zone where marine life can be viewed. Nino Conus Santana National Park is the country's first national park. This has over 300,000 acres of various habitats, including shorelines, mountainous terrain, tropical forest, and the island's last surviving dry forest. It is home to over 250 bird species and local mammals. The park also includes a large portion of the Coral Triangle, 
a rich marine area for diving and snorkeling. A popular tourist attraction is the 27-meter or 89-feet-high Cristo Rey statue of Jesus Christ that overlooks Dili. It was a gift from the Indonesian government in 1996 and has 570 steps leading up to it. Atoro Island is 30 kilometers from Dili and accessible only by boat. This was used as a local jail during the occupations of Indonesia and Portugal. It's being developed into a national park. Here you can enjoy diving, snorkeling, watching dolphins, and strolling along the walking trails that venture through the cleared rainforest to lively villages. In the villages, you'll find people selling their famous wooden sculptures and crafts. You can also have a try at traditional fishing, using handmade goggles and spare guns. A toro means goat in the local language, and you will see them around. Baokao is a city with two areas of distinction. In Old Town, you'll find Portuguese colonial architecture, and in New Town, there are buildings with Indonesian flair. While here, you can explore the caves created by Japanese military during World War II. Or you can visit quaint villages where there is freshwater river swimming and waterfalls. Sawi is on the south coast and the village is centered around fishing. You can see traditional dancing, walk along the sandstone beaches, and explore the Tafara River. You can also visit Our Lady of Fatima Church, where there's a memorial devoted to the church massacre that took place there, claiming the lives of 200 people. Lake Ira Lalaro, the largest lake in the country. Swimming is not recommended as this is home to the country's largest crocodile population. Jaco Island This is a remote, mostly uninhabited island that requires hiring a fisherman to shuttle you there and back. There's an active marine life where you can see dolphins, reef sharks, sea turtles, and multicolored fish. Mount Remelau, also known as Tatamailau, this is dedicated to the Virgin Mary and the location of an annual pilgrimage commemorating the Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary on or around March 25th. It has a Virgin Mary statue, which came from Italy and was erected during the Indonesian rule. It offers a hike, which takes about six hours to get to the top. Marobo Hot Springs. This is hidden and rarely visited. It's on the grounds of an old resort. What remains are ruins of the building and a large pool, mud bath, and mineral bath. These water attractions are maintained and using the water from the natural spring at the foothills of a mountain. The Government of Canada issued a travel advisory on January 9, 2024, to exercise a high degree of caution due to the fragile security situation and crime. The political situation is tense. Violent episodes could occur with little notice, especially during significant political events, such as presidential or parliamentary elections. Be vigilant in the periods leading up to, during, and following these types of events. Military operations may take place at any time throughout the country. If you encounter a military operation, leave the area immediately, if you can do so safely. Follow the instructions of local authorities and always remain vigilant. Gang-related violence, arson, robbery, and vandalism occur, especially in Dili. 
Gangs in Dili have attacked cars with stones and darts, fired from slingshots, particularly during the early evening hours and at night. Violence between martial arts groups occur, despite the government banning most of their activities. Avoid armed, non-government groups, including martial arts groups, throughout the country. Exercise extreme caution at bars and nightclubs, where altercations between groups may take place. Petty crimes such as pickpocketing and purse snatching occurs. Thieves frequently target foreigners. Demonstrations take place from time to time. They are likely to occur near government buildings, institutions, or residences, and around Dili's Presidente Nicolau Lobato International Airport. Women traveling alone may be subject to forms of harassment, violence, and verbal abuse. Sexual harassment and groping of women are reported regularly. Locals regularly find unexploded ordnance in open areas outside Dili. Crocodile attacks occur across the country. There have been crocodile sightings on beaches in Dili and other popular destinations. They're often present on the south coast. Check with locals for the latest on the situation. Tidal changes can cause powerful currents and riptides are common. Rescue services may not be consistent with international standards. Consult locals and tour operators for information on possible hazards and safe swimming areas. Wear reef shoes to protect yourself against coral cuts and stonefish. Follow the instructions and warnings of local authorities. Tour operators may not adhere to international standards. If you undertake adventure sports, such as diving, choose a well-established and reputable company that has insurance. Ensure that your travel insurance covers the recreational activities that you choose, and if in doubt concerning the safety of the facilities or equipment, don't use them. Tourist facilities and services such as hotels, restaurants, and public transportation are very limited on the island except in Dili. Segment 3. Who is? Shanana Guzmao is a distinguished poet. He's a former freedom fighter. While in prison in 1993, he was awarded the Great Cross of the Portuguese Order of Liberty. José Ramos Horta and Carlos Felipe Jiménez Belo were jointly awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1996 for their work towards a peaceful solution to the conflict in the country. Francisco Borja da Costa wrote the lyrics to the East Timor's national anthem, Patria, meaning fatherland. It was first used when the country declared its independence from Portugal in 1975. Da Costa was killed in the Indonesian invasion just a few days later. He was also a poet, writing most of his work in the Titum language. Aside from the East Timorese anthem, his most famous known work may be the poem Un Minuto de Silencio. Ego Lemos is a permaculturist and singer-songwriter from East Timor who sings in his native tongue, Titum. His song, Balibo, was awarded Best Original Song Composed for the Screen at the 2009 Screen Music Awards and a 2009 APRA Award for Best Song in a Film. His debut solo album, produced by Michael Honan, was released in 2009. Permaculture is an approach to land management and settlement design that adopts arrangements observed in flourishing natural ecosystems.
Agueda Fatima Amaral, is an East Timorese athlete. She was one of the first athletes to represent East Timor at the Olympic Games when she ran the marathon at the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney. She technically competed as an individual athlete because East Timor was newly independent and had not yet been formally recognized by the International Olympic Committee. With a time of 3 hours, 10 minutes, and 55 seconds, she finished 43rd out of the 45 runners who completed the race, although eight other runners failed to finish. The Associated Press reported that Amaral completed the course to a standing ovation. She had fled her home in Dili, stayed in a refugee camp, and returned eventually to find it looted and burned. Along with her home and other belongings, her only pair of running shoes had been destroyed in the arson attack. She trained for the Olympics by running barefoot, until shoes were donated to her by Australia. CNN described her arrival in the stadium as the most moving moment of the race. The New York Times wrote that her performance in the Sydney Games inspired the world and described her as a source of national pride. Augusto Ramos Suarez is an East Timorese long-distance runner. He represented his country in the marathon event at the 2012 Summer Olympics in London, finishing in 84th place. He was inspired to run by a visit to his local school by Aguida Amaral, East Timor's first Olympic athlete. His pre-Olympic personal best was 2 hours, 30 minutes, and 4 seconds. Martinho de Araujo, born in 1973 in Dili, is an East Timorese weightlifter. He was one of the first sports people to represent East Timor at the Olympic Games when he took part in weightlifting events at the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney. A resident of Dili, he fled his home in 1999 after East Timor's declaration of independence from Indonesia and the ensuing violence. He subsequently returned to find that his weightlifting training equipment had been stolen or rendered unusable in looting and arson. To continue training, he improvised with metal rods stuck into paint cans that had been filled with cement. Nicolau Lobato was the first prime minister of East Timor. Lobato played a key role in making East Timor an independent state. He was born in Sobaida, Portuguese Timor and fought against the Indonesian occupying military forces. He was shot in the abdomen and killed by these forces near Mount Mindelo. His body went missing and could not be handed to the East Timor government. To this day, the government is still in search of the lost body of their first prime minister. No one knows what has been done with his remains. National Heroes Day is observed each year to pay tribute to Lobato. One of the international airports was also renamed after Lobato to honor all the sacrifices he made for his country. Segment 4. Who Would Have Thought? According to World Health Organization figures from 2014, the tiny nation of Timor-Leste spends less on health care than any other country in the world, 1.5% of the nation's GDP. According to a 2016 report published by the Global Footprint Network, the countries with the smallest ecological footprint per person are Timor-Leste in Southeast Asia and Eritrea in East Africa, each with 0.5 global hectares per citizen.
Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode on Timor-Leste. Next time, we'll learn about a country which is one of the oldest wine-producing regions in the world. See why their unique method is on the UNESCO Cultural Heritage List. There are 500 grape varieties in the country, including endangered vines not found anywhere else on Earth. These are only a couple of the many interesting and unique points about this country. Please be sure to subscribe to Nations of the World podcast so you won't miss my next episode, Georgia. Gaining knowledge about other people and their culture is often the best way to understanding who they are and why they do things a certain way. This in turn can make us less fearful of differences and hopefully more accepting. Let's face it, we're all human and we all share the same world.